All right, church, and we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3 this morning. Uh, we've been going through Galatians uh, since the beginning of the month, uh, going verse by verse all the way through, and we've reached a point here in chapter 3. Um, and hopefully this has been an encouraging time to you all going through this letter. It's very practical. It's tangible for us to see. Um, but it's something that a lot of us, I think, need to hear from, from God's word um, that is reminding us that uh, legalism should never slip into the church. Um, we do believe uh, that we are to be religious people. We believe that religion, when it's pure, is, is uh, taking care of the widow, the orphan. And what that means is it's, it's a sacrificial life. Um, it's not just taking care of the widow or the orphan. Um, that wouldn't just be all like, that. that's religion. That's all it is. But it has a sacrificial service, this sacrificial identity that is found in Christ and Christ alone. So it's out of our salvation that those things flow. But what Paul is getting to is salvation itself. Um, and it begins to become very practical um, here particularly for the original readers, the church in Galatia, as they were receiving this. And Paul begins to turn to use Abraham as an example of one who was counted righteous uh, by his faith. Um, so this morning as we go through this, I, I want to progressively uh, reveal uh, these points. And the idea is going to be talking about what faith makes us. Our faith and our identity, our faith makes us something. And we're going to specifically reveal those um, here in just a little bit. But what I want to do is just read our passage to us this morning. We're going to be going through verse 14 of chapter 3. If you all would follow along in your Bibles. If you don't have scripture journals, uh, we still have those out on the book cart in the cafe. That's our gift to you. Make sure you grab one before you leave this morning. So Galatians 3, chapter or verse 1 says this. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through what, church? Faith. That's God's word for us this morning. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. 
Father God, we thank you for this faith that you've gifted to us. God, we thank you for sending your son to die on our behalf, to become the curse so that the curse may be lifted from us and righteousness may be imputed to us. God, I pray that as we look to your word and to you through your word this morning, God, that you would just jump off the pages. You would illuminate your word to our hearts, God, and that we would be changed. Um, and those who are already saved would be sanctified according to your word. And God, that we may find comfort in our salvation and the faith that you've granted to us. God, lead us and guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first point this morning is faith makes you righteous. Faith makes you righteous. Um, this is really important for us to understand because uh, righteousness is something that Christians have. We have the righteousness of Christ as it's been imputed to us, just as our sin has been imputed to Christ on the cross. Now, don't, don't confuse this with being perfect or better than someone. You don't walk around Medina and be like, I'm righteous, follow me. Uh, that won't go over very well. Um, I know from experience and also know from, from witnessing this, it doesn't go well when we go around acting as though we are more righteous than people. We don't have a self-righteousness. We have our Lord's righteousness that now is inside of us. Amen? Amen. Everybody, we need to understand that because there's, there's the balance here where we don't want to act as though uh, there's something good in us, but we should act as though there's something good in us. For if we, church, have believed in Christ, he's given us his goodness by an outpouring of his spirit who now lives inside of us. Okay, so because of your faith in the perfect Christ, you are righteous. So it's because of your faith in Christ that you are now made righteous. And you can say this this morning, that faith makes me righteous, right? And that means that you have now, in Christ Jesus, have a right standing before the Father because of what Jesus did and your faith and what he's accomplished, okay? So faith makes you righteous. Look at verse 1 with me. Starts off very harsh here. He says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He says, It was before your very eyes that Christ was portrayed as crucified. He says, A very practical question. Let me ask you this Did you receive the Spirit? And we, church, receive the Spirit at the moment of our salvation. That's uh, one way of saying the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? Those are not two separate things. Uh, at the moment of your salvation, the Spirit has now immersed you with Himself, and He's come to live inside of you. That We call that the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's at salvation that you receive the Spirit. So Paul asked this very simple question. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing in faith? See, he's harsh here. Church, there are times where we need to be harsh, right? There are times where we need to be very stern and bold, and it will come across as harsh. But we do so in love that they who we're speaking to may see, once again, this beautiful truth in its entirety. Now, again, remember, this is happening within the church. Paul wants the church here in Galatia to see once again the beauty of the gospel which saved them. They've, they're straying away. This is why Paul is so irritated, because he's got such a love for his brothers and sisters in the gospel that because they're believing a false gospel, he wants to tell them. He wants to wake up. So tell me. And this is, church, a real question we should all consider this morning. Because it could have to do with our eternity. This question that Paul's, Paul's asking. Did you receive the Spirit, whom all believers have, 
by works or by faith? What is it that you believe? By works or by faith? And this this answer that you'll come up with will be what determines your righteousness before the holy God on the last day. It was either faith in the Messiah who came and died in your place on the cross, or it'll be what he did motivated you to be a good person. And one will cast you into damnation for all of eternity, and one will welcome you into open arms into the kingdom of God for all of eternity. Praise be to God for the latter. Our salvation depends on the latter. Our salvation depends on Christ and Christ alone, and our faith in Christ alone will make us right before God. That'll be what sets us right before the holy triune God on the last day. That and that alone. We will have no other right standing before God. It's our faith in Christ. Romans 10, verse 17, Paul talks about faith and our salvation coming from faith alone. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's why we are to be vocal about our faith, because how are people to believe unless we go? How are people to hear unless we speak? See, a lot of us do a lot of going, but not a lot of talking. We spend a lot of time with sinners, but we never open our mouths about salvation. And some of us open our mouths about salvation, but we never spend time with sinners. So we're talking about the gospel with gospel-believing, professing people. And we need to begin to do both. We need to go and have dinner with sinners who hate Jesus and want nothing to do with Him. And when we do so, we speak the truth and love into their life. When we go and we spend time with believers... We would lovingly correct the things that are wrong, in church, evidently wrong. Don't end up at a, at a dinner table bickering back and forth to the point you want to like throw your food because you're so irritated that it's a secondary issue, but we find ourselves fuming at the one who we know Jesus paid for. We can disagree on secondary things. This was a primary gospel issue. So he wants to get their attention. And yes, this word foolish is unintelligent, right? He, he's called, he's, are you guys, are you losing it? That's what he's saying. Like, I'm, believe me, I'm not talking to you all. I read this, I'm like, man, you're so, like, this is harsh. But it's what he's saying and the reason. He's like, have you all already forgotten the beauty of this gospel? It's so good. Don't forget this good news. He says again, are you so foolish in verse 3? He gets them back to the roots. Having begun with the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? Practical questions. Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you, who gave you the Holy Spirit, who works miracles among you, does he do so by works of the law, by our works, or by hearing with faith? First off, here in verse 3, if it started with the Spirit, are you now resting in works? Church, we know that our sanctification, our works, everything that we do that is good and holy, we give credit to the Spirit. We give credit of our sanctification to the work of the Holy Spirit who now lives inside of us. 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2, Peter says this, 
to the listeners. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God our Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. He shows us the work Right? That, that God has, has ordained it, the Spirit is applying it, and Jesus accomplished it. Right? And that there we see that we are sanctified. Our sanctification comes from the work of the Spirit. So he's starting his letter off pointing to the redemptive work of the triune God, um, acknowledging that our sanctification is work and is evident work of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Right? So Peter's starting this off. So church, remember that our progress and our faith is the work of the Spirit and our submission to Christ. It is not our knowledge, it is not our power, it is not our goodness, and it is not for our glory. It is He who saved you, and it is He who is accomplishing His purpose through you as you submit to Him. Our duty and our journey as Christians is to submit to the will of God. It is to submit and yield to the direction of God in our life. Secondly, Paul says, did you suffer for no reason? You see, early Christians, they went through some real suffering. Their, their life was on the line. And he's saying, was that in vain? Did you take so many lashings for a Christ you no longer believe in? Were those lashings because you loved the Lord or because you wanted to be the Lord? Because, church, when we believe in a works-based theology or salvation, we are making ourselves a Lord for ourselves, us. Because we need to suffer so that we may pay for our sins. That's why purgatory is a wash. Because what it is saying is Christ didn't do enough. But church, he did exactly what he needed to do and what none of us could ever accomplish. Believe in him. Was your suffering in vain if indeed it was in vain? That'll get you thinking, right? Like, did I just go through all that because I don't believe in Jesus? See, if they believe it's about their works, then it was. Like, what are they, what are you doing? I remember playing uh, youth league football. And there was just this time, I was, I was very, very chunky as a kid. Uh, very, very chunky. I was a chunky uh, kid. Uh, my mom used to call me Chunky Monkey. Uh, I don't know if any of you all ever call your kids that. Um, I will never do that to my kids. Uh, I'm surprised I even shared that with you guys. But I get called Chunky Monkey. Um, and, you know, they always thought it was funny. They called me Jet Meadows because I wasn't fast as a jet. But believe me, church, I am now. Um, I am fast as a jet. Um, but... I remember this one time we had all of our pads on. I hated football. My head was too big. They had to get me a middle school helmet for youth league football, and I just couldn't stand it. I'm running. I'm telling you all everything today. So I'm running, and this was about the pace I was going. Everybody's going a little bit faster. And I'm running, and it hit me, and I started, <gasps> and I'm, I don't know what I had, but like I knew like I'm like 75 yards away from my coach, and I'm, I'm dead. Like this is it for me, right? And there was a moment I needed to contemplate, is it worth it? Is this worth it? Do I believe we can win? And the answer was no. I was like, I told my dad, I said, it's not worth putting my life on the line if there's no hope for the end. 
And I'm reminded of that shortness of breath and all the work that I had to put into it, realizing there was no hope for us useless youth league kids. But in our faith, do we believe that we have no hope for the end? Now, if you have faith in Christ and you rest in that, you do. You're showing people practically that you have a hope in the end, the eternity that Christ has set you apart for. But if you rest in your works and your ability to sprint and your ability to do this and your ability to do that, to understand the scriptures, to pray, man, you're a prayer warrior, but you do not believe in the finished work of Jesus, you're relying in vain works. Are you given the spirit, he asked them, another third practical thing, by works or by faith? And then verse 6, we begin this lengthy comparison back to Abraham. Just as Abraham believed God, he had faith, right? And it was counted to him as righteousness. Listen, this comparison is very important, especially to the early readers. It may not mean as much to us, but it definitely did, and it should connect for us today because the comparison here is to circumcision. Oh, you all believe in Jesus, but are you following the Sabbath? Have you been circumcised? Are you following the ceremonial laws? And it's important to go back to Abraham because Abraham was the one who was given the covenant of circumcision. But the reference to Abraham here in verse 6 is from Genesis 15, 6, which was before circumcision, where we are told that Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. Church, it is by faith that you are made righteous, not by works. Rest in the Lord. Not only does your faith make you righteous, church, it makes you family. Point number two, faith makes you family. See, we are a family not by blood, but by faith. Now, some of you all are like, you get the special privilege of being uh, faith, or family members with people, both by blood and by faith, right? But we all, the capital C Church, are a family that have been adopted by our faith in the finished work of Christ. Galatians 6.10 says this, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, this is key to us, right, that we understand this, because it's those in our household that we look out for the most, and we ought to anyway, right? Like, period. If there's a fire on the whole block of our street, whose house am I going to take care of first? You all would look at me funny if you're like, hey, I left my house to go take care of the neighbors next door first, right? You'd be like, that's a noble thing to do, but get your children out while you walk past their room. It just, it just makes sense. And that's what Paul is saying here later on in the very letter that we're in is, hey, let us do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. Church, we ought to be looking out for one another. We ought to be caring for one another, meeting each other's needs, calling out each other's sins, and doing all together for the glory of God. That's why we say that we're a family. That's why we, we really drive that home because, church, we are indeed a family. We need to know that. We need to know that those in this sanctuary right now that voted differently than you in the last election are still your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, whether or not you believe that was wrong. Those who have different interests than you, different ways of thinking than you, are, yes, family if they believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
Now your frustration with them may, may be because you are further along in your sanctification. Or it could be because you're behind in your sanctification. But that can work its way out through our relationships with one another. But believe and understand that we indeed are family of a covenant, of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. Continuing in this comparison with Abraham and looking back to Abraham, he says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. This is so important, church. It's not your obedience to circumcision, he's saying, or any other work that will link you to Abraham. Church, it's not our baptism. There are people who believe that your baptism is your salvation. We believe that your baptism is important, and if you believe in Jesus, you need to be baptized because you should be obedient to the God that saved you. Not so that you may be saved. If we rest in our uh, being dunked in the water, look, church, I can dunk you all until my arms get tired, but it will not save you. It is not our partaking in communion that will join us to the kingdom of God. And their eyes were so focused on Abraham and this covenant that they were missing the finished work of Jesus. Now, Jesus dealt with this in his life with Moses. Does anybody remember that conversation? that Jesus had to deal with because they were so focused on Moses that they missed the Messiah literally standing before their eyes. John 5, 39 through 47 is this encounter. Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to my Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And Paul's here in this very same comparison. You all are so focused on Abraham being sons and heirs of Abraham and the promises and the covenant to Abraham that you've missed the one that Abraham had his eyes set on, Christ. Everything about Abraham's life was focused on the coming of the Messiah, church. And we get the whole redemptive story, so it's easy to sit and look back. How could they miss it? But we miss it, too, when we add to the finished work of Christ. And it is this promise to Abraham, church, that they were clinging to, that actually told them these Gentile people by faith in the Messiah are now family and heirs according to the promise. Jesus made this case very clear. Rest not your hope on the spiritual giants, but on Christ your Lord. They were focused on Abraham. Jesus' listeners were focused on Moses. Who are our eyes focused on? See, Abraham would have been mad with the Jews of this time if he would have found out what they were doing. Moses would have been mad at the people who Jesus was talking to. Calvin, Luther, Matt Chandler, Francis Chan, anybody you can think of, anybody you look to would be mad if your eyes were on them and not on the Messiah. 
They'd be mad if they knew that our theology was man-centered and not Christ-centered. Church, we live in a Christocentric world where everything revolves around Jesus, both before and after his coming. Everything is centered on him. And he's telling them this gospel is to the people. This promise to Abraham is to all people who believe. Verse 8, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. See, this promise, the promise all along was an extension of the gospel to the Gentiles that through Abraham, the nations would be blessed. And they hated the Gentiles so much that they wanted to put the law over the Gentile people instead of reminding them that they'd been set free from the law by the finished work of Jesus. And it is those who have been redeemed from the law that will live according to that righteousness that now lives inside of you. Yes, we believe you should be sanctified, but your salvation does not depend on your works, but on the finished work of Christ. It's the gospel message here. So, so then it is those who are of faith that are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Those who are children of the promise. This is the beautiful gospel message. See, we, we, we give these, these promises that are like totally contrary to the gospel, right? We give promises of works, right? Like, be good and then you'll be rewarded. I tell my kids all the time, like, if you're good, I told them this today, every, every Sunday, give them some like covenant of works. It's what we do because we're a works-based people, right? It's natural. It makes more sense. Like, it, it should be in our hands, but our salvation is in our hands. But we come up with covenant of works because it just makes the most sense. Hey, Maylee, hey, Ever, if you're good, you will get this. And sometimes before I even get to the end of the sentence, they're terrible. And I'm like, you don't get it. But could you imagine if I had a Christ-like covenant with my children? And I said, believe in me, and you'll get candy. And they'd be like... I'll go clean my room. Like it, they would find another way because it's just what we do. But Jesus says, believe in me and you will be righteous and you will be family with sinners who I have made saints for my purpose to display my power through their weakness. And he alone receives the glory from such things. That's what God has said to us, church. He said, rest in me. All who are weary will find their rest in me. And he's telling these readers, he's saying that we are family because of our faith. That means the neighbor that you don't want to witness to, they may not be family, but they are not so far gone that they can't be family. That's the hope that we have in the Messiah who came and died for sinners who could care less about him. Have faith and you shall be heirs of the promise, salvation. This was like mind-blowing to them at the time because they were like, oh no. He's going back to Abraham. We see it. And church, it is your faith that makes you sealed. Point number three. If you want a guarantee of your salvation, look to your seal. Right? And all of us, every one of us, can I get an amen that we want to know that there's a guarantee to our salvation? Amen? 
We don't like things that don't have a guarantee. If you don't believe me, go back and watch Tom, Tommy Boy. He'll tell you about guarantees, right? You need a guarantee. Every one of us needs some kind of guarantee and assurance of our salvation. And a lot of us are like, I cannot wait to get to the end of this. I, I was reading this this week. I'm like, yes, what does Paul have to say? What, what, is, what is our seal? Our seal is the spirit that we've been given, church. We need a guarantee of our salvation. We want to know that. Let's start with first what is not your seal. That is works. Verses 10 through 12. For all, and it cannot get any more clear than this church. If you know someone who believes in a works-based salvation, point them here to Galatians 3, 10 through 12. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Church, if you are under the law, the scriptures are very clear, you are under a curse. And that curse is that it exposes your sinfulness, it exposes my sinfulness, it exposes our depravity, and what that should do is show us our need for Christ and our, our need to give up on trying to maintain the law in order to fulfill our salvation or attain our salvation. Anyone who relies on, the, on works at all, rely on, on your, your giving, right? You sent out giving statements, and maybe some of you are like, yes, I got a piece of the kingdom now, right? Maybe some of us looked back to, to some of the good things we did. This past year, we, we took care of our neighbors. We rebuilt a fence. We went and bought groceries. We gave someone a ride to the pharmacy. Maybe whatever we did and we look to that, there's no guarantee on that. We have good moments, but we have no good heart apart from the Lord. So if we rely on works, we are under a curse. And it's evident. All of us can look back at a time, even after our salvation, where we were doing good things and we were trying to add to it, like, man, just trying to be so good, and we never found rest. It's because church in our heart and by our DNA and our fallen nature, we know that it's never going to be good enough. And that's why we rest on Christ and trust in the seal that we have because of our faith. Because in verse 13, Christ became that curse. It says, yes, so all are under a curse, but Christ, in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. He didn't just do away with the curse, church. The reason we praise Jesus and we know that the work is finished is he took the curse. He took that curse for us. It didn't just disappear. Our salvation, indeed, church, was not free. It was only free to us. Jesus took the curse, having become the curse, being hanged on a tree. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And then it says, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we receive the promised what? Spirit through faith. Christ became the curse on your behalf, church, and then he expanded the gospel to all people of faith. And those with faith received the promised spirit, who Paul later in Ephesians says is our seal. 
Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. It says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed. Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. See, a lot of us, we, we need to take our eyes on the, off the material things. Our inheritance isn't really the house that we've been given. Sure, that's a blessing. But the inheritance that we long for is the hope that we have in Jesus, that he has a kingdom church that he has built and he's created, and it's coming one day. And our inheritance is there. And until then, church, we've been given the Spirit who Paul calls the guarantee, the seal, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire it. The Holy Spirit is your down payment. The Spirit that now dwells inside of you is sanctifying you and leading you, getting you through to the end. So if you want a, a guarantee of your salvation, look not to your works, but the work that is going on in you and through you and for you. God is changing you. He's given you his spirit for your good and for his glory so that in you, you may display the riches of his goodness to all of creation for the rest of your life until your life moves to eternity. So you can look to the work of the spirit inside of you and say, hey, how am I being sanctified? Do I see the fruit of the spirit? Am I seeing God working through my life? You want to know the easiest indication? that war that's going on, and you're like, mm -mm. that's probably a sign that Jesus is working inside of you through his spirit. But what you need to stop saying to the spirit is not, mm -mm, but Lord, as you will. That's what we need to do. We need to see that the seal has been given to us by faith, that the spirit does indeed live inside of those who believe, and we need to stop telling him no. That's what the Bible says when it says, don't quench the spirit. Church, you can't get rid of the spirit if you got him. But you can quench them, you can suppress them. Just silent the word of God in your life. Silence the, 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 the living God working and sanctifying you and loving you through your unrighteousness to display his righteousness. Stop saying mm -mm to that and say as you will. Church, our faith is everything. It's what makes us righteous. It's what makes us family. We cannot look past that. And it's what makes us sealed. The only thing that's going to give you rest as you leave here is to trust in the fact that you've been given the Spirit because of your faith, not because of your works. That's what he's telling him. He starts with the old foolish Galatians, and then he ends with the beautiful gospel message. It says, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. Church, we need to remember that, not to rest in our works. We've been given the Spirit. At the moment of your salvation, you were given the Spirit. The Spirit now dwells inside of you and wants to conform you into the likeness of Christ. We will never do that on our own, but we simply need to say, as you will, Lord. Jesus gave us that example. Being perfect, being God in the flesh, he still said, not my will, God, but your will be done. So church, my prayer this morning is that as we leave, we would yield to the Spirit this week. Stop resting in your works. 
Stop resting in, in your unrighteousness. Stop resting in the righteousness of other people. That's, those are the things that we collectively need to do because it's so easy to do that. We believe in covenant of works. It's, again, it's what we do. We do it at, at our jobs. We work hard so that we may get raises. We work hard not, not to be hard workers, but so that we can get rewarded for it. But Jesus is the reward, has accomplished the reward, and has given the reward, and there's nothing we have to do about it. So through our works, let us praise him and display that goodness to our neighbors, to our families, to our church, to everybody this week. Let's go ahead and stand and let's sing this last song of his goodness and sing to our Savior and of our Savior and praise the finished work of Jesus. And if there's anybody here that doesn't know Christ as their Lord, surrender to him. Repent of your sins and believe. It's that simple. That's the only rest we'll ever find as sinners and as saints is the finished work of the cross where Christ accomplished it all on our behalf. Let's pray.